Yeah. Hey, morning, Flatters. How are you? I, I get to say this to all four of our campuses. Good morning. That's just awesome. Uh, Aurora kicked off last week, so hi, Aurora. And you all are awesome. I heard great things about that. In a couple weeks, I'm going to tell you about a new campus going to start up in Longmont. So hang on for that, all right? So, hey, uh, so last week I went a little long. Somebody emailed me and expressed gratitude for that. Thank you for that. So, so we're in week two of this Madman series, and I, and I don't have time to go back and review everything we talked about last week, so you have to get online and catch up, all right? So let me just kind of basically give you, and visitors, yes, I always talk this fast, buckle up, all right? So there's like two, two metaphors that we're, we're working through in this series, and then we're going to get into today's teaching. The first one is based on, on, on Madman, which is marketing and advertising that we're getting bombarded all the time by all these people that try to tell us this is who you are and this is what will make your life better, whether it's true or not, they want to sell us stuff. But, but here's the first premise we go, go on is this, everybody buys into and believes and lives, whatever, lives out of whatever sales pitch that you have accepted is true about you. Everybody bought a line. Everybody's trying to sell us, uh, this is who you are, this is what you need to do with your life, and then we buy it, all right? We actually buy it, and then out of whatever sales pits that we've bought, we live our life. We run our marriages, we run our homes, we run our sexuality, whatever, out of what we have bought or believed is true about us. So that's the first metaphor. The second one was this, is, and I compare this to, to my, my four-year-old. We, I took her hiking up some, some rocks, and by the time she got to the top, she thought she was invincible, all right? And she's not naive, and she's not dumb. It's more like this. Her, her life is a blank page. Remember we talked about this. All of us start with a blank page. We start with a blank page, and then over time, different people and experiences write on that page to try to tell us who, who we are, who they think we are anyway, what we're good for, what we're worth, and answering that question, are we enough? This is our whole life, right? Good things happen in our life, it goes on the page. Bad things happen, it goes on the page. My dad did this, my mom left me, my my first wife did this, whatever it is, it all goes on the page. And then whether we think about it or not, we get up every morning and we kind of read that page and we go, okay, if that's true, and that's what I'm worth, and if I'm I'm, I'm enough or not, then out of that I'm going to run my marriage, I'm going to run my life, I'm going to date my girlfriend, I'm going to raise my kids. Whatever that is, money, sex, whatever, it all comes out of what we believe, And the question we looked at last week was this, not just what's written on your page, but the the more important question is this, who has the right, who has the authority to write on your page? Who who knows, who gets to tell you this is who you are? Who has the right to do that? And this is why you're here, or this is why I think you're here, and then who has the right to determine if 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 you're good enough? Who gets to do that? And where we're going this whole series is this, is this big what if, okay? Because there are no shortage of opinions on people who want to write on our page and tell us what we're good for, right? We, we, we have those messages in our head all, all day long. But what if, what if you knew, and not just knowledge in your head, I mean, you can read the Bible and, and get the knowledge, all right? If you knew in your head, but also believed in your heart, and it's really hard sometimes to do that, to take what I know is true and then feel it. But what if we could connect those two things and then live out of that, like actions, like choices and decisions about the most important parts of my life. If I, if I did all that out of what God says is true about me, what he's written about you on, on your page, the question is, would it change anything? Would the outcomes of the most important parts of your life change in, in, at all, at least for the better, right? If you actually agreed with what God says is true about you. And so here's what we're doing in this whole month, okay, and, and we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. We're looking at a scene. It's really like one column in my Bible. We're not going to be all over the Bible. We're just going to look at this one moment in the life of Jesus, all right? And we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. So last week, here, here's what happened, all right? Jesus, all right, he's 30 years old. He gets baptized by his cousin John the Baptist in, in this river, and then he walks up out of the river, and at that moment, his father, God, calls a timeout. Calls a timeout and says, oh, wait, 
right? He, it says he split the, split the heavens. I don't even know what that means, all right? And then he spoke to his son there on that river, all right? And here's why he does this. It's because he knows from this river and then up to the next three years that lead to a cross, a tomb, and a resurrection, it's going to get tough. It's going to get really, 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 really hard. And if Jesus, because he's a man, he's fully a man, just like the rest of us, if he doesn't have something to, to, to refer back to and to hold on to, there are going to be moments in the next three years where he's just going to throw in the towel. He's just going to quit because it's just hard. I mean, I mean, several times throughout that three years, like, like, like especially towards the end, he actually looks at his father and goes, is there another way? Is, is there any other way to do what you want to do? Not my will, but yours be done, but this is hard. Really, really, really hard. And so right there in that moment, when Jesus comes up out of that river after getting baptized, God says, I'm going to answer the most important questions. Jesus, I'm going to write on your page so that over the next three years, you can hold on to that. Go back to that about what I said is true. Here's the question that all of us have. Jesus had it too. Who am I? Who am I? This is what we're trying to figure out from the time we're little kids all the way till we're adults, right? And in and, and our funeral, who am I? Really, who am I? And, the, and God says this, I'll tell you who you are. You're my son. This is my son. Attention, everyone. That guy, the wet guy there by the river, my son, all right? All right? And what am I good for? What am I worth, right? I'll, I'll tell you. I love you. This is my son, and I love him. I see something in him that I think is worth loving. And then here's the other question every per person ha has. And then why am I here? Like, what's the point? What, what's my, what's, why was I born? Why am I walking around on planet Earth? Here's the answer, Jesus. I'm well pleased with you. I like what I see. I like what I've created right there. I like what I've done in your life. And, and listen, Jesus, you are qualified uniquely to carry out the mission that I have in mind for you. And then because Jesus is a man, this has to be the question that comes up because he understands what we go through. The question is, okay, I know who I am. And I know where I stand. I know I have a mission. The question is, am I good enough to pull it off? Am I enough? This is what, and anytime we face something major in our life, the first question is, can I do this? Can I, can I really do this? And, and the answer is, you know, apart from God... No. Can I do this marriage? I'll just tell you right up front. Without God, good luck. Can I raise these kids? Can I beat this addiction? Can, can, I, can, I, can I get out of debt? Whatever that is, on your own? I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I can't, all right? But, but God never tells us to do anything apart from him. He never tells us to do that, right? Apart from God, no, I'm not enough. But with God, and let's just say these last four words all together. One, two, three. All things are are possible. Now, would it make a difference if you believe that? Would it make a difference in the most important parts of your life if you actually had that much clarity? I'm God's child. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. He loves me. He's going to walk through every moment of my life with me, and he's going to take care of me. He'll make me enough, even when I'm not. Would it make a difference? And that's what we covered, all right? So we're going to pick up the story right where we left off last week, all right? Jesus has just been baptized. His father just said, this is my son. I love him, and I'm very well pleased, and i got a plan for his life. And we're going to pick up right after this. Here we go, all right? So chapter four, Matthew. And there's, few, there's free Bibles in the back of all of our auditoriums, all of our campuses. If you don't have a Bible, you don't own a Bible, you don't even know where to buy a Bible, there's free ones in the back. Take one home with you, okay? Pick it up right after the baptism. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Okay, now time out here real quick, all right? A lot of us have gone to church a few times, at least in our life. By show of hands, again, all of our campuses, how many of you have ever heard of this story before? Go. Okay, that's a lot of us, okay? That's a lot of us. So here's what the tendency is. A lot of times we, we, we'll read stuff out of the Bible. You hear people like me read out of the Bible, and you go, oh, I know about this. I've read it before. I know where he's going. Eh, let's, 
not be so sure. Last night, they flunked the test. We're going to take a quiz, all right? We'll see if you're smarter than, than last night, okay? So be careful before you answer, all right? But here's the quiz, all right? So, all right, after Jesus was baptized, all right? All right, here, here we go. Who did the leading? Who led Jesus? God, thank you, thank you down here, all right? The, the Spirit, okay? The Spirit led Jesus, all right? So God the Father led Jesus, okay? And where did the Spirit lead Jesus? Anybody know? You are still like, I don't know, I'm gonna say the wrong answer, all right? All right? So where, where did the Spirit lead Jesus? Into the wilderness. Now you gotta put that together right there because that, that's kind of worth thinking about right there. The Father who just said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, I got a plan for your life, leads his Son into the wilderness, which is actually a hostile place. Back there, the river, it's all good. He got baptized, probably had a little potluck dinner, and everybody like saying kumbaya. It was all great there at the river. Then he goes, now I'm going to lead you to a place where you're going to get attacked. Because I love you, and you're my son. i got a plan for your life. So let's go to a dangerous place. Right? That's what it means, all right? So when he gets to the wilderness, all right, question. When he gets there, who did the tempting? The devil. Yeah, Satan did the tempting, all right? God didn't do it, all right? So let me just clear something up. God doesn't try to trip us up. God didn't tempt us. God didn't throw a grenade at us and say, let's see if you can survive that one because I really want to send you to hell. Go. No, that's not how he is. The devil does that every day, okay? Now, here's the big one, all right? Pay attention, all right? And when he gets out there and he's being tempted, what was the temptation? And the answer is not turn stones into bread. So, well, that's what it said, right? Well, well think about it. Here's why I know that, that, that turning stones into bread is not the temptation because it's not a sin to turn stones into bread, I have read the Bible cover to cover. I have looked for it. There is no commandment in there that goes, thou shalt not turn stones into bread or you'll go to hell. It's not in there. Because, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, if I could turn stones into bread, I would do it all day long. I, I really would. That would just be awesome. So, so, so turning stones into bread is, that's, or bread in, yeah, stones into bread, that's, that's not the problem there. It's actually a symptom of something else that Jesus might be tempted to do, all right? So here's another question. Why would Jesus be tempted to turn stones into bread? Why would, why would he be tempted to do that? Because, yeah, this is a no-brainer, all right? Pay attention, right? After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was what? Yeah, me too. All right, me too. I mean, put yourself in, 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 that, in that story, okay? Because these are not just imaginary people and fictional metaphors. It's like, this actually happened. So put yourself in there, okay? Day one at the river, it's a good day. Right, day one, I mean, you're getting baptized and then, you know, or you're getting married, whatever that is in your life, it's the first day, all right, and God splits the, splits the sky and goes, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter, I, I, I love you, and, and I'm very well, well pleased, okay? Day one, all right? But then, now let's skip ahead, six weeks, 40 days, all right, and after 40, 40 days, almost six weeks, Jesus has been in the desert, he's been in the wilderness, he's been alone, Mark chapter one says he's surrounded by wild beasts, all right, and, and he hasn't eaten anything in 40 days, all right? You say, well, what? yeah, people do that. Now, listen, that would be like this, all right? If you ate breakfast today, you make a decision right now, and I'm not going to eat again till Halloween. That's like 42 days from now, okay? So, so again, do the math. Okay, I'm not going to eat anything until I eat candy out of my bucket on October 31st, all right? And until then, it's absolutely nothing. I'm going to drink water, and that's it. I'd be hungry. That would be an understatement. Again, put yourself in this, all right? Because this is our life a lot of times. Day one, at the beginning of whatever it is, God is good and life is awesome. Yay, God. You know, there's, I love you. And he split the sky. I had goosebumps all day long, right? God is good and life is awesome. Day 40, God is silent and I am hungry. Right? 
Now, this is, this is a metaphor for the rest of our life. So what is the, the biggest temptation when you think, all right, that God is going to do something a certain way based on what you thought you heard him say, and then your life doesn't go that way. Your life actually gets harder. What do you do when you think God's going to take care of you and he's going to love you and he's going to lead you and all that, and then your, your life gets harder, not better. Your marriage gets worse, not better. Your family goes downhill, not, 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 not uphill, right? What happens? Well, think about this, all right? He has, at the end of 40 days, your body shuts down, right? Doctors, right? You know this is true, right? Your body shuts down. After 40 days of not eating, you, your, your body starts devouring itself. Your organs shut down. All right, so this is like true confession time. Does anybody ever watch Naked and Afraid? I do. I'll go first, all right? I, I watch it because it makes me feel better about myself because they're just not very attractive, all right? So I'm like, nah, I'm, all right, anyway, I'm just confession there, all right? But, but here's what happened. The, the people they drop off that truck on day one and the people they pick up on day 21 or day 40, very different looking people, right? They, they, they've lost weight. They're, they're emaciated, all right? They're barely hanging on. They can barely walk. And if something doesn't change, they're going to die because their body needs to eat, all right? Now, in that type of circumstance, when you're almost, almost done, you're so hungry, and your body just is, is about to die, in that type of circumstance, what would you be tempted to start thinking and believing about God? All right? And this is what I think Satan's coming after Jesus with. It's like, hey, Jesus, look around. Look what's going on in your life. Don't believe you're God's son. Look. Don't believe that he loves you. If he loves you, why is this going on? And don't have any confidence whatsoever that he's going to take care of you. I mean, this, this isn't, is this what you thought it was going to be, Jesus? Back there, the river that first day when he said he loved you and he's going to walk through life with you? Is this what you thought it was going to look like? Because this is not what I signed up for. Now, so I was thinking about this. It's, it's kind of like, you know, last week we talked about how great it would be to walk into, like, marriage, you know? I mean, on that day before you get married, the day you get married, you got, you're, you're having a panic attack. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not enough. And there's a door there, and I might get in my car and just drive, drive away. And what if in that moment God just spoke to you and gave you this confidence, all right? Well, let's, let's be honest. Even if he did that, none of us knew what we were getting into when we got married. Just watch all the married people right now. They're going to be going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all right? See, we, 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 we thought we got this. And some of you are engaged and you're going, we do. Eh, you're wrong. You don't have any idea what you're about to walk into, all right? And you know, for the, for the first few, few days, you know, it's great, you know? It's awesome for a few days, all right? And then uh, for a few weeks, all right? But here's what's going to happen. Watch all the married people or formerly married people are going to go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's a, a day is going to come or maybe in the middle of the night, you're going to wake up and you're going to look over this person in bed with you, and you're going to go, wow. I didn't know he did that in his sleep, all right? I mean, like, his mouth's hanging open. He's got kick breath. I'll kick you out of the bed, right? Or, or how about this? You guys, you walk into the bathroom a little too soon, and you go, there goes the mystery, all right? And it's like, I didn't know you did. I didn't know humans did that. I didn't, I didn't know. And here's, here's the truth, okay? And all the married people are going to go, I, I, know, I remember this, all right? They're going to start smiling, all right? There's a moment in your life, and if you, if you don't admit this, I just think you're lying, all right? There's a moment in your marriage where you go, what have I done? Right? This is not what I signed up for. And here's what, oh, we don't say it out loud, but usually we're sitting on our couch or, or laying in bed staring at the ceiling, and here's what you go, I think I've made a huge mistake. Every one of us. And that's what I think Satan is hitting Jesus with there in the desert that day. Hey, Jesus, look around. Is this what you signed up for? Because this doesn't make sense. I mean, this isn't how it's supposed to look. This isn't how you're supposed to feel if he's your father and he loves you. And 
And, and let's be honest, Jesus, I mean, you're a powerful person, fix this. You know, apparently Jesus isn't going to. How about you, you fix your own problem right here in the desert? Because really, you're on your own. See, the temptation was this, all right? Jesus, considering what's going on in your life, I don't think you can trust God. God must be a liar, because if he loved you, this wouldn't happen. Every one of us has had that conversation in our head. I thought God loved me. Apparently I was wrong, right? Followed by this, I guess I'm on my own. I guess I'm on my own. Look, look, look around. It doesn't feel like anything's going to change. There's no solution. And it doesn't, I don't see God changing anything anytime soon. The, the help is not on the way. And so if God didn't really love me and he's not going to take care of me and I'm on my own, I guess i got to take command of the situation. I, I'll take charge and I'll do what I feel like I need to do to fix this problem. We've all, we've all been there. We've all been, some of us are there right, 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 right now, okay? So let's see how Jesus responds to, to, to this temptation. He says, but he, but Jesus answered, it is written, and we're going to get to this verse in a minute. It's out of the Old Testament. So he's going to quote the Old Testament. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus does what he always does. On this day and every day, when, when something comes at him or someone comes at him or a circumstance comes at him and says, hey, listen, what you thought was true about God, not true. What you thought God was going to do for you, he's not going to do. Jesus does what he always does. He goes back to what God wrote on his page. What God said was true. He doesn't go to his emotions. He doesn't go to his circumstances. This makes sense. He doesn't get all his buddies together and go, well, what do you think I ought to do? No, he goes back to what God has said is true about him, and he holds on to it. He holds on to God's word. And in this case, he actually goes all the way back, and he quotes a guy named Moses, very famous guy, all right? And he quotes a, a, a line out of Moses' speech. Um, Moses has led the people through out of Egypt through the desert for the last 40 years, all right? And they're about to cross the river into the promised land. And before they cross into that, Moses says, I'd like to say something. Because the last 40 years, I'll be honest, it's been a rough trip. It's been a rough from day one. So before you go into the promised land and everything works out for you, I'd like to remind you of a few things. So here's what I want to do. I want to take like five chapters of the Bible, because it's a long speech, all right? And put them in about a minute and a half. He looks at these people and he says this, all right? Please remember that the only reason that you aren't slaves in Egypt anymore is not because you're strong people. It's not because you mustered up the power and figured out a way to get out of Egypt, and you're not here today because you're righteous people. God is the only reason you're alive. God is the only reason that you're not slaves back in Egypt. And, and by the way, from day one, you doubted God and you tested his patience every step of the way out of Egypt for 40 years to this moment right here. I was there, I remember this. I, I, I came in and I said, hey listen, God sent me to, to set you free. And you responded, I doubt it. I don't think he can do that. And then he started doing stuff in your life and you went, oh no, this is too hard. He's actually making it worse. Make God stop, make it go back the way it was. And then he set you free. And then you were like, yay God, for about five minutes. And then he led you out of Egypt. And then, and then you're, you're walking towards the promised land. You look behind you, and there's an army on your way. And here's my response. Oh, no, I, I don't think God's going to do this. And I think God brought me out here in the desert to kill me. I wish I would have just stayed back in Egypt. And then God split a sea, and you walked right through it on dry land. And then God drowned your enemies. And you were like, yay, God, for about five minutes. And then you got thirsty. You're like, oh, God forgot about us. At least back in Egypt, he had something to drink. He brought us out here, and, and I don't think he's going to show up today. And then God had water pour out of a rock. And you're like, yay, God, for about five minutes. And then you got hungry. And you go, oh, at least when we were slaves back in Egypt, we had food. I mean, they beat our kids, and they killed our dads and stuff like that. But at least we had food on the table every day. Where's God now? Because I'm hungry. Remember that? And this is, this is the part where, where, where Jesus says, I, I'd like to quote Moses. And this is the part he quotes, all right? 
He says, and you shall, this is Moses talking, you shall remember the whole way from Egypt to this moment right here, the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments, whether you would obey him, not because it made sense, not because it felt good, but because you trust him. This whole 40 years, he's been seeing what you're, what you're made of, all right? And he, and God humbled you, and he let you get hungry, and then he fed you with manna. I'll get to that in a minute. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that, and here it is, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He says, remember, remember, you, you said God can't do this, and then God spoke, and he fed you. Remember that? So, so here's the story, all right? They, were, they didn't have any food, and God says, listen, I'm going to send manna. What's manna? No one had ever seen manna before, and nobody's seen manna since. They would go outside their tent every morning, and there would be bread laying on the, on the front yard outside their tent. And they would gather enough up just for that day. God said, just get enough for the day, and then tomorrow morning when you wake up, I'll, I'll give you some more bread. That's, that's all you have to do. Well, we don't know how you're going to do it. Just trust me. That's why later, years later, Jesus, he teaches us this famous prayer, give us this day our Daily bread, just give me enough for today and I will trust you that you'll give me what I need tomorrow. Do you trust me? And every day they came out and there was manna laying there. They never heard of that. Their dads had never heard of that. Back in Egypt, they never heard of that. But, but God says, I'm, I, I, I promise, my word is true, I will feed you. And you think that'd be enough? You think that after all that, he set us free from Egypt. He opened up an ocean. We walked through it. It, it slams closed. He had water come out of a, a rock. He did this, he did this, he did this. No, no, that wasn't enough. There's not enough. Then after that, you know, you come to a river and you go, you can't be crossed. Oh, no, God forgot about us. And then God would split the, the, the river and you'd walk through that. You come to a city or a fort with a big wall or an enemy is coming at you. You go, we can't, we can't, we can't beat them. They're too big. They're too strong. And, and, and God has forgotten about us. And then you, you, he, would, he, would, he would beat that army and you go, yay, God. Remember this one? Moses says, I went up on a mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And I was up there longer than you thought I should have been up there, according to your time frame. And when I didn't come down, here's what you decided. Moses is dead and God doesn't care. So you built a new God. Let's, let's make one that looks like a cow. Maybe that one will take care of us. It didn't, all right? So here, here's, the, here's the whole story of, of, the, of the Hebrew people, all right? The slogan for those 40 years from Egypt until this moment right here. It goes like this, just because God did something good for me yesterday, that doesn't mean he's going to show up today. Oh, no, I'm on my own. Does that sound familiar? Let me, let me put it in, in my life, in my world. This is, this is my approach. Hey, God, what have you done for me lately? Anybody pray that prayer? I mean, thank you for what you did last week, and thank you for holding my marriage together and helping me raise those kids, and thanks for getting me out of hell. Really thank you for that one, all right? So I really, really appreciate that, but, but what about now? What about today? What have you done for me lately? Because I don't like this, and I don't know if you're going to show up or not. Right? So let's go back to Jesus because I really believe that this is what Satan's coming at him with. Hey, Jesus, look around. This is not what you signed up for. I mean, six weeks ago, that's awesome. Yay, God. But what has he done for you lately? Because for the record, you're starving to death. Right? So maybe you ought to look around and go, Jesus, think about this. Maybe you can't trust God. And maybe you are on your own. Maybe you just ought to do your own thing and take, take command of your life. What do you mean? Let go of what God said and command stones to become bread. That would make sense. Nobody would blame you, because you're gonna be dead in about two or three days. This is what the body does. Nobody expects you to live without bread. So go ahead and fix your own problem, because you're on your own. Now, here's, a, here's another quiz question. Could Jesus have turned stones into bread? Could he have done it if he wanted to? 
The answer is yes, okay? The answer is yes, and here's why, okay? You find out later in the Bible that all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus and hold together through Jesus. So, so when Satan says, why don't you turn those stones into bread, Jesus' response was, how do you do that? He knew that. Here's the other reason that, 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 that uh, is why he didn't uh, uh, turn stones into bread, all right? It's, it's because he wasn't hungry, really. He's so spiritual that after 40 days, he just loved God so much he wasn't even hungry. Eh, that's not true. You know, I mean, he loved God. He was spiritual, right? But that's not, it actually says right there in the Bible, after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he was hungry. He was a man. Can you imagine going 40 days? He was hungry. He, and he looked at that. You got to think he was tempted to turn stones into bread. I would have been, right? So let's see how Jesus responds. It's so good. But Jesus answered, all right, so why don't you turn these stones into bread, right? Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread, what's the next word? Alone. Now that's a big word there, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what Jesus is doing right here is he's acknowledging something. I know how it works. I know how my father set up the universe and the earth and people. It was his idea, and God's idea is this. On a fairly regular basis, people need to eat food, bread, or they'll die. I acknowledge that, okay? And just because you have faith doesn't mean you don't have to eat food. Or just because you've memorized the Bible and all the word of God and you trust it fully, that doesn't mean that you don't have to eat food. Because if it meant that, why did Jesus eat it all for the next three years? I have so much faith, I don't even need food. No, that's not true. What he's saying is this, is that my life, and by my life I mean this, who I am and what I'm worth, what's my purpose, and answering that question, am I enough? It's not gonna be based on or found in or defined by meeting my, my, or satisfying even my most basic human needs, physical wants, even if they're good ones. What's going on in me cannot be fixed by bread alone or in isolation from something else. God, what God says is true. And if I let go of what God says is true, or we let go of what God says is true, to go get something that, that, that we need and that we want, even if it's a good thing, the moment that we let go of what God says is true to get something else, that's the moment we let go of life. See, Jesus knows, and we gotta get this, all right? Bread alone, and you can fill in the blank with the word bread. Bread alone, apart from God, will not fix my hunger problem, even though I acknowledge I'm really, really, really hungry. Now, I'm going someplace with this, okay? So, so where, when did Satan t hit Jesus with his temptation? Day one or day 40? Right, there's no point in getting tempted on day one. Back there at the river, Satan could have said, hey, why don't you turn those stones into bread? Jesus would have gone, I just ate, all right? There was a potluck dinner. It was all great you know, there by the river, right? No, he, he waits a while. There's actually a verse in the Bible that says Satan observes you and has a specific scheme formed against you. The part of your life that Satan is going to keep coming to you over and over and over, hitting you over and over and over, is that part of your life that you're hungry and you have been hungry for a long time for something to fill that part of your life. He's going to come at you over and over. Not the places where you're satisfied, the emptiness. That's where he's going to hit you. You know, we look at all these Bible people and go, I just don't understand why they didn't trust God. Really? I mean, we, we were so self-righteous, right? We look back going, you know, if I was there and he'd set me free from slavery and he'd open up a river and I walked through that and then water came out of the, you know, a rock in my yard and then, then bread came out and there's land on my yard every day, I would, I would trust him for, through anything. Really, would you? Then why don't you? Do you? Do you? Because, again, it's, it's the same. People don't change. What have you done for me lately? See, pe people are the same. If we get hungry enough or tired enough or frustrated enough or scared enough, and it goes on for enough time, we're all tempted 
to be tempted to do what Jesus had to be tempted to do. I don't know and I don't believe that God either can or will take care of me in a way that makes sense to me. And then we do the same thing. I don't know if I can trust God. I mean, I mean, something's going on in my life and I have an emptiness inside and I'm really hungry for something good, all right? And I, he's not doing what I want him to do in the way I want him to do it. And I, I need him to do it by Tuesday. I need him to fix her. I need him to change that right now. And apparently he's not gonna do that, so maybe I'm on my own. When I get hungry enough and scared enough and tired enough, it goes on long enough, I'm on my own. And in that, in that moment, here's what's gonna go through your head. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands what I'm feeling. I mean, I, that lady over there, Jesus is enough for her. Oh, great, good for her, right? I'm telling you, I, no one knows what I'm going through. And then if God's not gonna take care of me and I'm on my own, then I need to fix this. I need to take command. And in order to do that, I have to ignore what God says is right and I have to go do what I need to do. This is our life, every day of our life, right? That's why Jesus can, we can relate to this story, right? Now, let me, let me do this. Let me tie last week and this week together and see if, if, if they kind of make sense, all right? So, so Jesus was in a really hard place in his life and he was tempted to do something else. And so what he did was he went back to what he knew that his father said was true about him, what was written on his page, and then he lived out of that. He made choices out of that. He made decisions out of that based on what he found there. That was his only hope of surviving that day or the next three years right up to the cross, right? Now here's the aha moment. Our only hope of surviving, whatever we're going through, is to do the same thing. See, life, life we don't have to come to church to hear this. Life's hard. And life gets tough, all right? And if, if life gets tough enough, here's what's going to happen. There's a part of your life, we're not talking about bread anymore, all right? There's a part of your life that's going to get, ready, understandably hungry for something to, to fill you up. Something good, all right? And here's what you're gonna do. I want that in my life. And you're gonna go back to your page and you're gonna read what's on that page, what, what you've kind of believed about yourself. Well, apparently someone like me doesn't get that or I'm not worth that or I should have that or I gotta prove that I get that, whatever that is. I, I need, I, I'm hungry, I want that. And what's my page say I ought to do? So this is kind of a man series, although I got like five times as many emails last week from women. That's another story, right? But anyway, so, so let me just talk to men, all right? Here, here's, the, here's the truth about men. I'm sure it's true for women too, but men, you know, we, 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 we take something on. You know, marriage, parenting, a job, a hobby, whatever it is. And you know, and, and we do great for a while. We're, we're doing great for a while. We're all fired up. We read a book about it. You know, we went to men's retreat. I am enough. I am blah, 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 blah. We come into this church, whatever that is, okay? So we all start well. And then stuff happens. In middle school, high school, nursing home. It, stuff happens, all right? Stuff happens and it changes and the circumstances of your life get, get, get really, really, really tough. And, and you look around and you know what? I'll be honest with you. You get tired of seeing every other man get what he wants. Why do they get that? Not me. Why, why are they special? Why, 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 why do they get, get a good marriage? Why do they get a good whatever? Why, why does it all work out for them? And it hardly ever works out for me. Again, this isn't a man and woman thing, but pick an area of your life. What are you hungry for? What do you want? Even if it's a good thing and you're not getting it, and it's been a long time that you've wanted it and it's not getting filled up, that's where Satan will tempt you every time. You don't need God. Fix it yourself. Feed yourself. So I, I, do, I want to talk to men, okay? So men, the number one question of every man I've ever met from 8 years old to 80 all right, and again, I, I don't know where this comes from, some brokenness inside of us, but here's what we get out of bed every day asking ourselves, not even consciously, all right? 
But then something happens, we have to ask ourselves this all uh, again and again and again. Number one question of every, every man I've ever met goes this. Am I enough? Am I big enough? Am I strong enough? Am I man enough? Am I smart enough? Am I, am I enough? And the number one place that men try to figure that out, the, the, the two main areas are sex and power. And that, well, the irony about that is we actually use sex to see if we're powerful or not. Am I a powerful enough man? First place we look, our sex life, right? And it happens all our life. All right, and this is the part why we have a kids ministry, okay? So run, because here we go, all right? So, I mean, it starts from the first time that little boy, boy, man, just think that, the first time you wondered if you were enough. It was you and, you know, your cousin out in the woods peeing, and you look over and you go, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Oh, apparently you're a man and I'm not, all right? Whatever that is, all right? And then it, it, we, we go on and on and on. I'm not gonna get graphic, I'm just gonna be honest, all right? Then, then we get into middle school, we get into high school, right? And then we say, well, okay, how, how do I prove I'm a man now? Well, my dad says I better do it on the sports field. So you go out there and you score some points. Then you ask another dude, how many points did you score? And he scored more points than you. Therefore, you must be a better man th- than me. It goes on and on. Am I enough? Am I enough? Ladies, please listen to this, all right? The, the, am I enough is, is, is the underlying reason why so many of us are addicted to porn. Am I enough is the underlying reason why, why so many of us have, have, have sexual affairs and step outside of our marriage. It has very little to do with you as a wife whether you're doing anything right or wrong. We're trying to f- prove something or answer something inside of us that you weren't even meant to answer. We can only get it from God, but apparently we don't trust him, so we go to every other circumstance going, am I enough? Am I enough? It's all our lives. Yeah. All right, story time. All right, so this always makes you nervous. Buckle up. All right, so I don't think God makes mistakes. Well, let me say this. I know he doesn't because he's omniscient and all-powerful and all he's, He's God, all right? So, but when I get to heaven, we're having a conversation about several things, but toward the top of the list is, hey, Lord, could you please explain to me what you were thinking with the whole puberty thing? Because I hated it, all right? I just, it's just, it doesn't seem fair. It seems like you could have had a better system. Here's what I mean by that, okay? Puberty is great for some of you. And by that I mean, and I'm going to use this really kind terms, puberty is great for some of those freaks who start puberty early. Like their voice changes in third grade. You know who you are, right? And then in fourth grade, you grow like two feet. And by fifth grade, you're, you're like this, this hairy Bigfoot guy, all right? It's like, and, and it's just good for you. Your life is great. Let me speak for the rest of us, okay? And by that I mean the rest of us, those of us who sang alto in the church choir till 11th grade. I didn't shave until my second year of college. Not because I had to, I just thought it was time, all right? So <laughs> I hated middle school. I absolutely hated middle school, all right? I mean, I mean this. My prayer life, you know, I was a Christian as a, as a kid, right? But my prayer life in, in middle school had nothing to do with, you know, world peace or cancer. Who cares about that? Here, I, was, I laid in bed and go, God, do something. Make something happen. Make something start. Make something grow. Whatever that is, I need your help. Change something. You know why, Lord? Because I have to go to PE tomorrow. And my locker's next to Yeti, all right? And you know what I mean? Bigfoot. You know what I mean, right? He's like, hey, Jim. Hi, Yeti. Right? It's just horrible. What were you thinking, Lord? And so all our lives we pray, all right? I don't care how old you are. That's funny. All right? So, all right. Some people are going, I just don't think you should stay in church. But you should find another church because we do that a lot here, all right? So we just want things, something to change and we think it'll get better. And eventually it changes, all right? And then, you know, here, here it is. We get married and we think that's going to fix everything, all right? We're so naive when we get married. I honestly thought this, true confession time, all right? I, when I was 22 years old and I got married, I honestly thought I would have sex every day of my life till I died, <laughs> till the nursing home at least, all right? I really believe that. Turns out 
Marriage is not really like that. It's not at all. I mean, it's great for a while. Like Florida was awesome. All right, that's all I'll say. That's none of your business, all right? But, but then, then stuff happens and, you, and, you, and you're married and then you go, hey, we missed a day. So you're laughing already, like, because okay. look straight ahead. Do not look at each other, right, right? And then you go, hey, we missed a week. And, you know, it's been a month you know, since we, you know, all right. And then, you know, now it's like, well, when do you turn your clocks? Spring forward, fall back. That, that's, our, that's our schedule, right? I'm just being honest with you. I mean, right? And all the people that are engaged are going, it won't be like that for us. Yes, it will. And here's what happens after that, after, at least in men's lives. I'm sure there's a woman version of this too. But we start going, getting in our heads and going, you know, uh, uh, you, we remember the past. And we remember the past better than it was. I mean, high school, I was all that. In college, I was incredible, all right? And then, and then, you know, then this and this. And, and then you face one of those uh, birthdays that ends with a zero. And it's like a trigger. And we go, oh, no. Right? Oh, oh no. And we go, you know, I, I, it didn't used to be like this. I used to be really, really good at this. And now my body hurts. And it was different before we had kids or before you had five kids or before you did this and before you gained that and whatever, all right? And, it, and there's something wrong. And, and we start thinking, am I enough? I don't know. Do I still have it? And then after a while, scared changed to anger. This isn't fair. This isn't what I signed up for, all right? I have needs and I'm hungry and, and, and she's not meeting my needs and she should do better in my direction. I got Bible verses that say she should meet my needs. I totally forget about the Bible verses about me laying down my life for her. That's not important right now, all right? But I'm telling you, she, she should be doing better. And I've been to Flatirons, I've been to men's retreat, I've read the Bible. Listen, I know that I'm enough and I'm God's son and he loves me, blah, 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 blah. I just to be really honest with you. Right now, even if that's true, I'm tired of living in a desert. Anybody? I'm tired of being hungry all the time. I look around, everybody gets something to eat, and I don't get anything to eat. I, I want what I don't have. I don't want to go without anymore. I want what I want. And I don't think God's going to show up. I don't think God's going to fix this part of my life I, I, the way I want it to be fixed. And he could if he wanted to. He made the whole universe. He could fix this. So apparently he doesn't understand or care about how I feel. In this moment, I'm just about to tap out, and I'm going to let go of one thing, and I'm going to take hold of something different. I'll fix my own problem. It's two deals on the table. This is what I want, and this is what God says is right and true. And that's what that song was that the band sang, sang, sang earlier, right? Don't take the money. It's not about money. It's about selling out. It's a con. I let go of the good thing, and I took hold of the thing I thought I wanted, and, it, and I got burned. I, I lost everything. But we thought, I, you know what? I can write something better on my page. I am enough, and I'll prove to everybody that I'm enough. And here's where we go, man. It starts with a locked door and a computer screen going, it's no big deal. It's just a computer. It's not even real. But for five minutes, I feel strong and powerful. And then we go to this, and we start texting somebody. And we go, you know what? It's nothing. It's harmless. It's just flirting. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of dangerous, kind of sexy. It's not going to go anywhere, but it does. Right? And we're trying to prove something. Is true or not true about us? Am, am I enough? Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I, am I powerful enough? Am I sexy enough? Whatever that is, and that leads us to, we end up in between the sheets with the wrong person. And, and as soon as it's over, we have this aha moment that I just killed everything important in my life. Some of us have been there. And some of us are there right now. And you know why it all blew, blew apart? Let's go back to what God said. Because man should not live by sex alone. That's an important part of your life. I get that. But if you try to have sex apart from God, God's word, it'll die. It'll die. And some of us know that because there's bodies laying everywhere because we, we let go of God's word and we do it in something else. There's a, there's a guy named Solomon. Other than Jesus, the Bible says he's the smartest person ever, all right? And the, the only thing, question, reason I question that is he had 600 wives. 
I can barely do one, and she's awesome. All right, so don't text her. This is a circle of trust right here, right? She's none of her business. All right, so, all right, so here's what, here's what the second smartest person ever says. He says, there is a way that seems right to a man. All right, there's something that goes in our head, goes, makes sense to me. Makes sense to me, all right? There is a way that seems right to a man, all right? But its end is the way to what? To death. You want to kill everything? Walk that road. So, so go, let's take a trip down memory lane. Do you remember, you know, do you remember the, the days and weeks and months, the journey, the road, the steps that you took until you finally blew up your marriage or blew up your family or blew up your kids or blew up your life, or blew up your finances, all right? Think about this. This is my story, okay? As I was walking down that road, I actually told myself stuff like this. Okay, technically this is not right, but it just seems right right now. And I, and I rationalized it. Okay, and even if it's not right, don't throw stones at me. It's understandably wrong. I have to do this. And by the way, it's just bread. It's just sex. It's just the internet. It's just business. It's just, right, on and on and on. And we talked ourselves in going, it's, it's no big deal. And we went down that road and it killed way too much. So I'm gonna be really honest with you. If you're visiting here on one of our campuses right now and you're sitting here going, is that what this church is still holding on to? Let me tell you. See, there's no other place in the world in our culture today other than God's word who's still selling this, right? And it's not gonna change. God is not gonna change. Here's God's sales pitch. It goes like this, men. Hey, men, don't have sex until you're married. Then once you're married, only have sex with the person you're currently married to. And if your sexual intimacy hits, hits a wall or, or, or falls apart, you lead the way in trying to find out what's behind it. And you, you, you lead the way in getting the two of you back together. That, that's God's word, and it will not change. And it's the only voice in the whole universe right now saying that that's still true. See, here, here's, here's the sales pitch. Sex alone or sex apart from God's word will never prove that you're enough. I really think we're actually going out there trying to prove something good. Our motivation is actually something good. And we think that I can have sex apart from God's word, and that will prove I'm enough. But here's what actually happens. All right, sex alone or sex apart from God's word will confirm that you're not and that's the aha moment when all of us have made a big mistake in our life and we go, oh no, everything that I was afraid was true about me, I'm a bad man, I'm a bad husband, I'm a bad father, you know what? It's actually true. Because I let go of God's word and I just thought it was this. And now there's bodies everywhere. Now, I'm gonna stop there, we're gonna pick up next week, all right? Now, this, don't walk out here going, this is, a, this is a man talk about sex. No, it's not. No, it's not. Every one of us can, we can we pull out the word bread and we put in whatever we want in there. I'm really hungry for this. I'm single and I want to be married. I'm alone. I want to be with somebody. I, you know, we've been trying for a long time. We just want to have kids. Well, fill in the blank there. I, my body's falling apart. I don't want to have cancer, whatever that is. And, and here's the other part of this. I'm really hungry for something good, something that would actually make my life better. And if God is my father and he loves me and he promised to take care of me, why doesn't he change it? Why doesn't he fix it? Why didn't he bring somebody into my life? He could do this. And you know, let me, let me, I'm going to tell you, the, the answer to that, I, I don't know. I don't know why God hasn't fixed whatever that is. I don't know why God hasn't fed that part of your life that it actually feels like I'm starving to death and I'm about to die unless I get something to eat in that part of my life. Let me, let me ask you another question, though, all right? What do you believe? What do you, what do you believe that, that God really wants for you to end up with in that part of your life you're thinking about right now? For your marriage, for your, for your, for your family, for you, and your, for you and your kids, what do you think God really wants you to end up with? And let's just change a word out there. And what do you think Satan really wants for you to end up with? Right? Just think about that. 
What's God want for the most important parts of your life? What would Satan, all right, what would he want for that part of your life? Oh, let's go back to the people in Egypt. They, they were slaves in Egypt. What did God want for them? Freedom. What does Satan want for them? More slavery. Die in your slavery. All right, let's go back to the desert, right? What did God want for Jesus? He wanted him to hold on to God's word so that one day some people in Colorado could call on the name of the Lord and be saved. What does Satan want? He wants you all to go to hell, and without Jesus, we're doomed. That's what he wants. So what's God want for you? And what's Satan want for you? You say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. Can I just, I'll say this right now. You're right. I have no idea what your life is like. I don't know what I would do in your circumstance. Jesus does, though. There's there's a verse we're going to look at next week, all right, that says that, that, that Jesus, this just blows my mind, trying to figure out how this is possible. Jesus has been tempted in every way that I have been and you have been, which is just dark. Because I know what goes through his head, all right? Jesus has been tempted in every way that I have so that he can understand what we're going through. Meaning this, I don't know your life and I don't know what Satan is attacking you with and what you're hungry for. I do know this, Jesus has had the same Satan look at him in the eyes and tempt him and say, there's another way. All you have to do is let go of God's word and you'll be satisfied. So I wanna leave you with this and then we're gonna sing a great song and get out of here, right? This is Jesus talking about the two deals on the table. This is, this is what, you know, right? you got to figure out which one you're going to go with. Jesus says this, the thief, so he's talking about Satan, right? The thief comes only to steal. He wants to steal your life. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to kill your family. He wants to kill your children. And he wants to destroy everything important in your life. He comes only to do that. He might promise you bread. He might promise you happiness. He might promise. Please understand, his end game is only to steal, kill, and destroy you and your life. Jesus says this, I came that they, and that's us, that we may have life and have it what? What's that word? He does just want, he's not just trying to keep us from getting divorced. He's trying to have us have an abundant marriage, an abundant singleness, an abundant family, an abundant middle school you know, season of your life. I need, I need you there, right, right? And our two deals are, I can go with what Satan says. All I have to do to fill myself up and meet my needs is just let go of God. Or I can hold on to God in a desert where I'm starving to death. But what happens if you let go of God? Let's play it out. Because right now you're trying to figure out, where, which way am I going to go? What, what, what happens? Play that out. If you let go of God and you just go fill up your life yourself. Who pays? Who dies? Right? We're going to pick it up next week. Let's stand up. Again, all of our campuses. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing this awesome song. Don't leave. I mean, the last part's better than anything I've said, all right? So it's actually a song contrasting this, is that I've been a slave all my life, and I want to be a child of God, and I get to choose. I, I, I get to choose. And we look at it going, I don't know if I can hang on to God because I have this enormous thing going on in my life, and I don't even think it's fixable or possible, and I'm starving to death unless something changes. So we're going to ask God to do what only he can do. All right, so God, we come to you in this moment right now going, we want to believe and we want to trust and we want to follow and believe that you're going to take care of us. But right now, I feel like I'm like pressed up against an ocean. So I ask you to do what you've done before. Will you split the sea so I can walk through it to the other side of whatever this day is in my life? And I'm hungry. Will you feed me as only you can feed me? And I'm just thirsty. My knees are about ready to buckle. So will you plant my feet in a place that I won't fall? Will you go with me through the desert And I'm going to ask you, God, for whatever we're really hungry for, if it's good, you feed us soon because it's a good thing. But until that happens, help us to trust you, that you're a good father and that you love us and that we are your children and that we are enough as long as we hold on to you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.